Does Matt Groening's show Disenchantment live up to the great heights of The Simpsons and Futurama? Your ears will know for sure in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Welcome, friends, to Cheerful Ghost Radio. My name is John, and for this amazing episode, we're going to be joined by Tim and Travis. And in this, again, a very amazing episode, we're going to be reviewing Netflix's latest show, disenchantment but before we do that let's talk about what we've been playing and watching tim what you've been playing and watching so i've been playing a lot of stardew valley co-op with uh two of my friends we have a, a farm that we're working on together and we're in our first winter um it, it's been really cool we decided to give ourselves a penalty of 50% on any of the goods that we sell so we don't like rack up money too quickly. You know, seeing as how we have three different people working on one farm, we thought the potential of us making too much money was, you know, um, kind of an issue. So to give us a little bit more of a challenge, we put that restriction on us. And uh, it's been kind of fun because it kind of changes the way we, we go about playing it a little bit more. And we've definitely utilized a lot more of the farm than I ever have during any of my single player uh, run throughs. I've also dove into the uh, definitive edition of Divinity Original Sin 2, also with a friend playing a co-op together. Uh, I haven't noticed really any changes from the the you know original version versus the definitive edition, but from my understanding, most of the changes came later in the game, and uh, uh, the first time I played through it, I only got past kind of like the... Uh, uh, not like first chapter, but maybe like the first big like setting for, for the game. Um, and then right around that time is when they announced the release date for the definitive edition. Uh, edition. And me and my friend decided that we were just going to hold off, wait for that to come out, and then pick the game back up again. And so far we're having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, other than that, the only other thing I've been playing is Metroid, which we're going to do an entire episode on later. So yeah, I'm not going to talk about wait. that too much right now. I know. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And then uh, as far as stuff that we're, I've been watching, um, haven't really been diving into too many like new stuff. It's just me and my wife. Uh, we've been going through Brooklyn Nine-Nine and uh, Park and Rex, you know, for a second time each. And uh, just been kind of enjoying going through some some fun comedies. But uh, as we're getting into fall here, all of our regular shows are coming back. And so I'm looking into uh, getting back into like The Good Place, um, new episodes of, you know, all the other shows that we were watching. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I've been playing and watching. Travis, let us learn from what you've been playing and what <laughs> you're watching so that we can do the same things because we all want to shadow you um, and your choices. So please, I mean, same for Tim, same for Tim, but uh, please go ahead, Travis. Go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a lot of pressure, man. I'm not sure if I can live up to that, but now I've been uh, playing so much Spider-Man on PS4. That game is so good. 
if you have a PS4, you must play this at some point. Um, in terms of like the open world superhero genre, it might be better than all the Arkham games. That's a tough call, but it feels like the Arkham games. I had for some reason gotten it into my mind that Rocksteady was doing this, but it's not Rocksteady. It's Insomniac. And yeah, Ratchet and Clank, yeah. y'all. And watching the um, like how everything goes down in the game and like all the animations and everything, I was like, yeah, this is definitely Rocksteady. So I think they took a lot of cues from Rocksteady, and that was a good call because Rocksteady was, is great at this, but they elevated it a bit beyond what they did. Um, like with the, the one thing that I was most a little scared about was how the web swinging would feel. And it's basically perfect. I cannot complain about it at all. Like it just, it feels so good swinging around the city. I think I've lost probably a solid couple hours of just swinging around doing nothing but swinging around. It's great. Um, after I got done with that, I went after the platinum trophy, which I don't usually care about, but I got that and then kept playing it a little bit more to max out a few other things that you didn't need for the platinum trophy. I'm definitely looking forward to the DLC for that when it comes out. And I would, I really hope that they kind of view this as the Iron Man of games for Marvel and start kind of a Marvel gaming universe. I think there's a lot of potential there. But yeah, I finished that up and I wanted some more superhero action. So I fired up infamous second son, which I've had for a long time and never opened and finished that up here recently. And it's very good. If you've played the first infamous games on PS3, it's it. It feels similar, but in new power sets that are a lot of fun to play with. And the infamous first light uh, was some standalone DLC that was released for it. You take take control of a different character that you meet in Second Son and has some similar powers, but it's a lot of fun as well. Uh, as for what I've been watching, um, Maniac on Netflix is probably my favorite thing on Netflix since Stranger Things. It's uh, directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who did the recent It adaptation and the first season of True Detective. And it's uh, Maniac's a little bit weird. <laughs> in a very good way. Um, basically, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone are in uh, this drug trial. They're trying to get over some emotional issues. And basically, you kind of go through uh, drug-induced and AI-induced um, realities to kind of work through your issues. And it's as weird as you would think it probably would be from that description. But I, I love how it's kind of it has a anachronistic look about everything. It, it takes place in present day, it seems, or maybe even a little bit in the future, but everything looks like it's from the eighties, like the old CRT green screen monitors all over the place. But yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend that if you like sci-fi or hell, if you like TV at all, you should check that out. Um, also finally got around to watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon prime because of all the Emmys that got and like, yeah, we should probably finally check this out. And my wife really liked that a lot. I haven't seen it though. Oh, you should. It's great. Yeah. She thought um, it was great. Rachel Brosnahan. I've seen her in a few things before and she was, 
she was wonderful in House of Cards and in Manhattan, but she was kind of a very broken person in those. And it's really good to see her in a different role where she's kind of like vibrant and more alive and very funny. The show it's classified as a comedy. I'm not sure if I would classify it as a comedy. It's more like a life drama about what she's going through to become a comic, but it's, it's a very funny show. I heard someone describe it um, as her superpower is comedy. It's like, she's a superhero with jokes. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Like she's it, so yeah. good at comedy, it's like a superpower, which I think is a really fun way to look at a show, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good look at kind of gender dynamics and kind of how messed up society was in the ni- 1950s, but yeah. Hashtag, hashtag not all men. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, I definitely recommend you check that out. That was a out. joke. Yeah. I don't believe in that bullshit. Go ahead, Travis. Go ahead. Yeah, I hope that everybody listening to this already knows that. <laughs> like I do um, like hashtag not my loop. This is sarcasm, people. I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. But yeah, we, we finished up Maniac, uh, I think yesterday, and we decided that we should check out some more Carrie Fukunaga, and we went back and we're now rewatching True Detective Season 1. And man, I when I was watching, John and I just recently did a review of Hold the Dark, and when I was watching that, I was kind of thinking this feels like if Carrie Fukunaga did Fargo on HBO and was able to do whatever the hell he wanted with it. And <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's, it's cool. It's it's great to see like to go back to the season one of True Detective because it was a masterpiece. Yeah. And I had seen it a couple times already, I think. But man, Matthew McConaughey's performance is near perfect. I didn't know he had that in him when the first time through, and it still kind of surprises me. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that uh, did that really amazing crying scene in um, Interstellar. So uh, yeah. I think he's great. Um, I uh, Question, is Maniac a one season and done thing, or is it going to continue on? They are calling it a limited series. Oh, so it's like a mini series Which or would, would suggest that it's 10 episodes and done. Mm-hmm. But they did the same thing with, like, HBO did the same thing with Big Little Lies, and it's coming back for a second season. So, oh, so if it's really popular, who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, they may try to come back to it. I'm not sure how they could hmm. and make it believable, but yeah, cool. I check it out anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about it for me. Awesome. So, um, I'm going to start with what I've been playing, and so I've been playing New Super Mario Brothers two on the 3DS. So I've got a mini review up to what I've played, which is somewhere around World 3 on uh, Cheerful Ghost right now. Uh, I like the new Super Mario Brothers series, um, sort of TLDR of my review, which is that it's uh, it's pretty much just improves on everything in the original. It's got coin collection as a fun thing. I think I've talked about this in the and everything before. And I'm just continuing on with that a little bit at a time. Um, and then I've also played some Heroes of the Storm with some of my friends, which is really fun. The game just keeps getting a ton of updates. Um, and it, I really like it a lot. I the, the heroes that I play the most are sort of Murd and Bronzebeard and Sonya, the Barb. It's really fun to play with friends. So I'm not very good. My friends aren't very good. So what we do is we play against AI bots um, from the other side and on our team. And we turn the difficulty down just so we can have fun and uh toward the end we were just dominating them so we're gonna kick up the difficulty a little bit but if you want a really accessible moba you know dota 2's 
kind of not easy to figure out. It's not really gamed at casual at all, aimed at casual. Neither is League. Then I'd really look at Heroes because it's free. Uh, it's easy to get in and just have some fun. Now, um, you're, you, you can if you keep playing the game, you can complete quests very similar to Hearthstone. You get gold and you can unlock Heroes with the gold or you can buy them, but you, you don't really need to do that. Um, if you've been you know, checking out Cheerful Ghost, you knew that they released you know, hero packs, you could get a bunch of heroes, and I sort of still have the brawlers from that, but it's a fun game, because it's cool to have a game that's free to play, that your friends can get on and play, and um, it doesn't cost anyone a thing, because one thing I find is that, for for my friends, now, like, hardcore gamers, this is different, everyone buys, like, Destiny 2, or the latest and greatest games, you know, or, like, all play World of Warcraft, but my friends, like you guys, we're not all playing the same thing at the same time, Right. Um, And we have some games that are similar, like Borderlands 2, but it's good to have these free to play games that we all can have access to and play. And I think Heroes is a great game um, for that. If you want something to play with your friends and again, it's free. So, you know, buried entries are really great. And we did really well. It was really fun. I'm starting to get better. And uh, it's it's been really fun. So uh, in terms of what I've been oh, and I haven't really had a whole lot of time to play um, games recently just life has been really busy and stuff but i've been watching a little bit more so let's talk about that so i got i robot which is an old will smith movie not really old but oldish uh, i bought it for a dollar at a garage sale uh so <laughs> i watched it again in a few sittings and i would say that it's not as good as i remember i'm not really sure how i'd rate it i don't even really care to rate it but if you like will smith he's the best part of the whole movie and he is will smithing it up the whole time um yeah, so it's this funny scene where just at this one part in the movie, he needs to have a superpower to get out of the thing. And you can totally tell that the writers did this and it's just weird. But he they like show you that he has a robot hand and it becomes a superpower. <laughs> yeah, it's just like magically he has it and it's funny. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't probably even rate it. But, you know, for a dollar, I'd buy that. And I did. So I'm going to get into a couple Netflix things that I watched recently. Ozark season two. So if you like season one, season two just does more of that. It's great. It's basically Jason Bateman meets Breaking Bad. And it's a movie about a family that uh, the dad is uh, works for the drug cartel and he launders money and a wacky series of events uh, causes them to go to the Ozarks where they launder money there and the end of the first season uh, and the second season bleed together in the second season they're still dealing with the ramifications of the first season and if you like these kind of gritty crime good person goes bad um, Ozark is I, I'm not going to say it's as good as Breaking Bad and all those um, shows but I would say it's very good and exists in that genre if you like that genre this uh Ozark season two is darker than the first one and it's just grueling it these people are bad but you find aspects of them that you can relate to but they're bad people doing bad stuff and they just continue it and it just ratchets up and the female characters they have are the stars of the season they sort of hold they sort of get all the power which is really really interesting to see um and sort of Travis and I are reviewing in our review of Hold the Dark. I, I mentioned that Netflix is becoming, for me, a place where they have so much amazing content that I'm just waiting for the next 
thing. And that wasn't always the case with the original content. But now it's getting to the point with Ozark and movies like Hold the Dark and shows like Disenchantment and Mystery Science Theater 3000 season 12 that's going to launch in, um, you know, on Thanksgiving and you know, a lot of the other movies that are coming out and shows and this and that it's, it's, it's becoming incredible. And I mentioned to them in, in text that I don't even think they need to license anyone else's content moving forward. Cause they're going to have so much amazing stuff that it won't even matter. I don't think that they even license people's stuff. That'll just be an extra bonus because their content is so amazing. I, I just wonder what you guys think about that. Like, is Netflix becoming a place where their original stuff is becoming why you get it? What do you think, Tim? Um, I mean, I think Netflix has a lot of really great original content. I don't know if it's quite at a point where it's going to need to stop licensing, you know, stuff from other companies just yet. But I could definitely see it getting to that point in the near future. Travis? Yeah, I'll look at it from a different angle and say that with, especially with the Disney streaming service coming up and other companies kind of trying to roll their own streaming service, Netflix is going to be getting less and less content coming in and some of the older content they have might be dropping off. And I think they're doing a fantastic, you mean not their original stuff. Yeah, right. Not their original stuff, but I think they're doing a really good job of building up their own catalog of original stuff to make people want to stick around. I'm not sure that I'm not sure I would say that they don't need the licensed stuff right now, but I think they're kind of looking toward the future of, you know, Hey, we're going to lose subscribers when this stuff keeps dropping off. So they're making they're fantastic, really fantastic original content to kind of lure people in. And it's, it's really good. Yep. Agreed. So let's continue on with a Netflix love train here. So Norm MacDonald has a show recently dropped, and I really like Norm MacDonald's comedy. He did Hitler's Dog, Gossip and Trickery, which is another Netflix special. Y'all need to watch. Uh, I, I find it like must watch comedy special. And then he did Norm MacDonald has a show. So I liked it from the very starting concept which he didn't want to do a political talk show and i and i agree i don't think he exists well in that space because he did like a press tour for the show and he just bombed talking about anything political or whatever i didn't even want to get into it it was kind of embarrassing and he did a he spent a lot of time apologizing for a lot of the stuff he talked about with that but um but the concept of the show I really like, and it's similar, but really different than the way David Letterman does it. But David Letterman has this similar kind of idea, which is the idea is that people are going to come in to watch. um, Norm MacDonald has a show and these sort of political talk shows exist in a very limited time range because they're all commenting on stuff that's happening right now. Norm and other shows like, um, you know, David Letterman, my next guest needs no introduction. are aimed at this sort of longer tail thing. So they're focusing on interviews with people about things that they've done and they're focusing on the human person in the interview. So Norm MacDonald has a show's first episode is David Spade. The second one is with uh, Drew Barrymore, which is a highlight episode. If you want to watch one, just watch that. I think the Drew Barrymore and Jane Fonda episode and the one with Judge Judy. Oh, man, they're so good. They're so good. But I love this Norm MacDonald dry wit, like long 
tail joke thing that kind of requires you to understand stuff. It, it, his style is just so, I love it. It's so great. And there are some shows where like the, the episode with David Letterman, David Letterman does not do interviews. He doesn't, but Norm is his friend. And the Norm show is like a, um, a production of the David Letterman stuff. And it's like, it's not a bad interview, but it's like, what would happen if, Someone who gave the interview didn't want it to be good. I, I don't know what he was going for exactly, but it was like he's trying to deconstruct what an interview is. And it seems like David Letterman is visibly upset during it or they're just playing off of each other or he's just trying to do something that is I don't know. He makes a joke, Norm, in the beginning that he wants to waste Dave's time, and he totally does. It's really funny to watch. Dave just walks off. It's really fun. Um, it's not like anything you're going to see. It's very deconstructionist. They use a format, but he mocks the format so much. My favorite aspect of the show, well, there's a lot of really great aspects of the show, um, but he they, they tell jokes at the end, and they're totally like Norm-style jokes, and he lets the people that are on the show tell the jokes. And some of these people are not comedians, uh, but it's fun to see them tell a norm joke. For instance, Jane Fonda tells jokes and she just like wonders why some of these are written. She does not get this kind of sense of humor or whatever, but it's just such a fun show. And these guys are having a great time. And um, they just like literally walk out of the dressing room onto the set and start things up. And sometimes he starts the show and sometimes he doesn't. And it has like breaks, but they're not commercial breaks, but it's great. It's just a really fun show. But again, like everything that I like on Netflix, it's getting a massive amount of hate because people like this is garbage. It's trash. And kind of like what we mentioned in the hold the dark review and what we're going to talk about in this disenchantment review. It's not people don't it's not like immediately like what people love, but I like that sort of avant-garde thing. And I love Norm style and I'm, and I really hope this gets a second season and I hope it continues on because it's a delight. I laughed my ass off at the show. And again, not everyone will. It's cool, but I loved it. I don't think I can. Let me ask you this really quick. If um, I can interrupt, please. Um, No, 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 no. I have never really cared for Norm Macdonald's humor that much. Right. Do you think that this is different from his normal style? Is like, is it worth checking out for somebody? Okay. No. In the David Spade interview, someone takes a crane, like a set crane and drives it in front of this. Like it just drives by. And that's a joke. So in, in like that Norm did where it's just like someone who's working on the set just just screwed up the taping of it in one <laughs> scene. Someone just comes up in the middle of the show and puts his watch on his arm and he's like being like, what the fuck? Like he's pretending it's not supposed to happen. But of course, it's you know, supposed to happen. Sure. But like I would say give watch watch either the um, Drew Barrymore episode or Judge Judy. The Judge Judy one is really interesting. The Drew Barrymore is a delight. She is so fun. And he does an amazing job in both of them. Um, but give those a shot. But he, it's very, okay. very norm. But I, I love I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So um, my guess is no, but try out those episodes. Um, I don't gotcha. know why they put the Dave Spade one first. I would not have opened with that. <laughs> put that one deeper in but whatever um it it was fine so uh bojack horseman season five just came out again more netflix stuff and again it's great bojack there's one episode 
Tim, have you seen Bojack season five yet? No, but it is on my list. Great. So um, they always do a special couple episodes. Remember that one where they're in the fish town where they're underwater? Do you remember that one? I do. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Um, that whole episode, they're underwater and they're not, it's all like they're not using actual words. It's all um, subtitled and everything. And this one, there's a special episode where Bojack is giving um, I'm not going to say who, but he's at a funeral and he's giving a eulogy. And the entire episode is him talking on the stage and the camera is focused on him. And he's talking about this person that died for 30 minutes. And it's so amazing and it's very creative and they keep the Bojack thing and they push his character forward. And I'm not going to spoil it for people, but um, if you haven't seen this show, people are like, oh, I watched the first couple episodes and I wasn't really into it. The first couple episodes of season one are silly silliness, and then it gets pretty into the format of the show. Uh, my wife and I decided that we were going to go head back in time and watch an old movie called Young Guns because that came to Netflix. Have you guys seen Young Guns? Did you see this back in the day? I think this came out in the 90s or something. I did not. No, maybe. But man, I can't remember if I, I I have like vague memories of I've seen it, but I could, couldn't tell you anything about it. Right. So Young Guns is a movie with like Kiefer Sutherland, um, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and um, La Bamba. I can't remember his name. Um, he was also another Netflix show, um, The Ranch, which I thought he was great in. Um, and it's basically a movie about... Um, uh, Billy the Kid and Emilio Estevez is crazy in this movie and we decided to watch it because it's an old 90s and I uh, movie and I was like or 80s and 90s I can't remember which and from the beginning um, the intro is cheese to the cheese level I, in, in the way that I'm like oh man this movie seems terrible I'm in this is going to be bad good and then it just gets dark and it's not that much fun. It's very violent. It's very dark. And um, I, I get why it's kind of got a cult following, but I'm not really sure it's good exactly. But it was fun to watch. And uh, there's apparently Young Guns too. And uh, I, of course, we're going to watch it because I like bad movies. And my wife's like, yeah, we got to watch the second one. So yeah, it sounds good. So again, another uh, Netflix comedy special by D.L. Hewley called Contrarian is a very fun uh, uh, comedy special that I decided to watch. And I'd never seen any of his stuff before. Um, the guy's got a lot of really fun tattoos and he's, he wears a great hat in it. That's not really means the comedy's good, but the comedy's very, very fun. It's uh, kind of commenting on modern times and sort of the black experience. And I loved it. I thought it was very fun um, talking about, you know, you know, modern, you know, take and sort of how, you know, racism plays into culture and, you know, everything through lens. And I thought it was good. If you're looking for a really fun comedy special, watch it. And so um, comedians and cars getting coffee. It's like Jerry Seinfeld's um, comedy show where he drives in his sports car. He's got a huge sports car collection. And so he sort of pairs up a sports car with a comedian. And then it's so again, it's this new format that's evolving where it's just, you know, we interview people and it's timeless because it's not about a particular point in time. It's just talking to people. And, um, uh, it moved from like this weird streaming service and then Netflix bought it all out. And now they're doing new seasons. And in one of the seasons, uh, I saw that he interviewed Jerry Lewis and I love Jerry Lewis. So, um, this is the last thing that Jerry Lewis did that was recorded. Um, and he is old in this one, but it's he's still so funny. And he talks about, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, um, 
it says in the show that they're the two funniest Jerry's of all time. Probably true. Uh, but Seinfeld's clearly a fan of Lewis. And he asked him a really cool question about where he came up with the hey, lady, you know, um, you know, his signature line, Lewis's signature line. And he answers the question. I don't want to ruin it, but you should where that came from. But you should watch it. It's really cool. And it talks about Jerry talks about Lewis talks about, you know, writing and how he did the bellboy. And he wrote it and recorded that in a couple weeks which is an amazing feat because it's such a funny movie. Um, but I watched that and that was really great. And um, finally, so what I've been um, watching is I got in the mail a leaflet, which was uh, a Best Buy in my town. A Best Buy that was close to me is closing down. And I'm like, hey, we're closing down this area, this uh, particular uh best buy store um here's ten dollars of store credit to go check out the other best buy stores in your area i'm like wow i like free money that sounds great by the way best buy is doing really well and part of the reason why is they figure out if they need to keep stores open and just divert the stock somewhere else if they're just oversaturated in that area so i went to the best buy store and i decided on buying split in 4k and it turned out to be about $7 after the thing because it was already on sale. So have you guys seen Split at all? Yes. Wow. Tim, have yeah. you seen Split? Yeah, no, Split oh. is great. Yeah, and so I got it in 4K partly because I wanted to watch it again and partly because I wanted to watch the special features. So, wow, it's so good. And, oh, man, I can't wait for Glass. We're totally reviewing that when it comes out on the Hell show. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey there, this is Travis from Truthful Ghost Radio, and thanks for listening to the show. If you like what we're doing here and want to help support us, I encourage you to head over to Truthful Ghost and click the little heart at the top of the page. You can help us fund the important work of this podcast and Truthful Ghost by supporting us on Patreon, which is a site for funding the things you love. If you fund us at a member level, you get awesome benefits, so head over to TruthfulGhost.com, find what funding level works for you, and support Truthful Ghost on Patreon today. So often, uh, people that listen to the show actually like it. It does happen. It does happen from time to time. And um, recently on Twitter, Nigel Arcane uh, tweeted to us, Good pod. Possible follow-up topic. Games where you explicitly don't want a sequel. Standalone well. Sequel would or did diminish the original. Ones that run the complete gamut of mechanics, leaving no need besides, quote, devs getting paid. Games that will never sequel dot 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 minecraft question mark so i'm gonna kick things over to tim games that don't need a sequel man what you got what you got for noigel well i think noigel pointed out minecraft and i i agree that i i think (laughs) that's a good yeah that's a good pick for a game that doesn't really need a sequel absolutely um i think just in general mmos really don't need to have a sequel and you know because any resources that would go towards a sequel would probably be better spent just you know improving upon the original you know, uh, so there would do you have mean to that everquest some... 2 was shut down oh it was shut down apparently everquest <laughs> is the only one running stuff weird yeah, I, I mean, agree you know unless there is some like drastic change in the game like they're completely changing you know, the underlying engine and mechanics and stuff like that. Like Guild Wars to Guild Wars 2, right? Because that model's different. Yeah. It's yeah. not a monthly fee, but that yeah, one made sense, even I that's think. not like a typical MMO, you know? So that, no, that was it's kind not. of a special case. Uh-huh. Agreed. Travish. Well, 
Tim took two out of my three right there with Minecraft <laughs> and um, MMOs in general. So you mean uh, Noigel took the first one? You don't mean Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, one other that I'll add is I think we've talked about this in the past, and at this point, I don't want to see a half life a Half Life sequel. No Half Life three that, from Travis. Oh, yeah, you're I get think so that, much hate. I know. I know. I know. I know Collider's going to destroy you. <laughs> I think at this point it would just be such. It's been such a long time yeah. and there's been so much hype built up for it that I really don't want yeah. a sequel. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'd be kidding myself if I said I wouldn't buy it and play the shit out of it. But, you know, I'm kind of I'm good with letting that one lie now. I used to be hyped up about that Half-Life 3, but nah. Um, I've let but, it go, too. And this is mostly for me. So I'm not on the roller coaster anymore. I was like, I'm just right. going to get off because I think I need to. But kind of along the same lines as Minecraft, I think that Terraria, Starbound, those kind of big, mostly open world building games like that. It seems like there would be kind of a, a lot of rehashing to make a sequel. I know that Terraria is getting a sequel eventually. It's it's in planning stages, at least. But I think they kind of fall under that same umbrella as Minecraft. So yeah, I agree you, with that. Right. So what you guys are saying, and I'm going to add on a couple. So I'm not really sure games need a sequel. I feel like they needed one um, exactly. Um, but if we're talking, so for instance, Link to the Past got one. I don't think it needed one, but it was fun to play Link Between Worlds. Does it hit the heights of Link to the Past? No, because it's like one of the best games of all time. But I enjoyed saying, oh, remember that from the first game and, you know, that kind of thing. So the game hits on nostalgia. Needed? No. Uh, it was a very contained game, but I guess there's no need for a, you know, Zelda sequel, really. But um, but when we got them, the, you know, I, I think fans clearly like them. Uh, you, you mentioned Terraria, Travis. They're going to be a Terraria, too. Does it need one? No, actually, because I think Terraria is. Yeah. After all the updates and everything. Well, even it was pretty perfect after, you know, the B update. I think that made it a perfect game for me. So I don't think we need a Terraria too, but I'm going to buy it day one. Fuck yes, I will. Of course I will. And then I'll probably- as long as there's bees. If you if there are no bees, John will not buy Terraria too. <laughs> I'll buy it even if there's not. I'm just going to be like every day. I'm going to, you know, that Twitter account that started so that Weezer would cover Toto's Africa. I'm just going to yeah, start yeah. a Twitter account every day of my life, and you know, you know, DM the devs and be like, "Where's the bee update?" be up <laughs> um and i think other games that are like free to play i don't think they make sense to get a sequel right like here's the storm or hearthstone like just keep updating the games you don't need to make a sequel for that um so i don't think they really need those um yeah and maybe we're gonna get new super mario brothers deluxe on the switch now and that's going to contain new super mario brothers wii u and then new super mario new luigi u like, that's so much new Super Mario Brothers. Uh, there's so many games. Maybe you don't need a new one, but doesn't mean Nintendo's not going to make them. <laughs> so, you know, um, we've got that game a lot, but they're going to keep doing it. And I'll keep buying them because I'm a sucker or I love the games, whichever way you want to look at that. So, yeah, Noigel, I hope that answered your question. Thank you for that. And uh, if you guys have any questions or comments about anything that we talk about, send them our way. Your presence is requested. At the royal wedding of Prince Giesbert of Bentwood and Princess Bean. Do you take this man to be your husband? No! Ah. Oh 
my god. This is a bad time to be coming down off of that high. So how'd it go? So now we're going to continue to the main review of this episode for Netflix's latest show, Disenchantment. According to Google, after tackling modern times with The Simpsons and the future with Futurama, producer Matt Groening steps into the past with Disenchantment. The animated fantasy series geared toward adults takes place in the crumbling medieval kingdom of Dreamland. It follows the misadventures of a hard-drinking young princess Bean, her feisty elf companion Elfo, and the personal demon Lucy. The oddball trio encounters the likes of ogres, sprites, imps, trolls, and human fools along the way. The voice cast features Abby Jacobson as Bean and includes the veteran voiceover artists such as John DiMaggio, the amazing Billy West and Maurice LaMarche. I'm so proud of you. I'm drowning! I'm Alpha! Remember the trick to not getting swept over the water. Alright, y'all. Travis. Disenchant this review. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, actually, we're not doing the review first. We're actually going to talk about our history oh. and <laughs> thoughts about The Simpsons and Futurama. Travis, what's your history and thoughts about those two very classic shows? I have watched probably about half of The Simpsons. Right. Um, They're still I going, stopped man. watching. Keep, yeah, I know. not stopped. And it's probably not going to for a while. It's it's it has this timeless formula that they yeah. could keep really keep building on for years to come. But I did kind of stop watching after a while. I probably watched the first 12, 13 seasons, maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's a really solid show. I just kind of stopped wanting to keep up with it. But I have watched all of Futurama except for. And the movies the that came out, like The Beast with yeah, a Thousand Whatevers. I, and... I didn't watch all of those. Okay. I can't remember which ones I haven't seen. But... I have Bender's Big Score. I have that one. Yeah, okay. and I watched that one. Yeah. And I, I loved Futurama. I think mm-hmm. Futurama is my clear winner between the two Simpsons and Futurama. But yeah, I, I, I always loved what he did with taking this future universe and commenting on modern times with it and a lot of the plots were really smart and like that brain swapping episode that had so much actual math to figure out how those like how they would eventually get back to their real bodies that was a that was beautiful yeah little things like that i really appreciate how much work went into that show tim your history and thoughts about simpsons and futurama well, um, I actually have only seen maybe two episodes of The Simpsons throughout its entire Whoa. run. Oh, wow. I, uh, that yeah. is surprising. Did they like lock you in a closet in the 90s, your parents? Uh, and not in a closet. Um, but yeah, and growing up. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and the cupboard my, under the stairs. No, my parents uh, at one point, uh, I was sass mouth and my mom and she's like, you you're acting just like. Bart Simpson, no more Simpsons for you. And I was pretty wrecked, but I continued it when I was older in high school for sure. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a forbidden show growing yeah. up. So I Makes sense. never watched it as a kid. And then that's uh, why we're was, all going to hell now, my friend. <laughs> and then had uh, no money for cable uh, when I ah. moved out. And then, you know, as an adult, I just kind of haven't got into it. Right. Um, however, 
I have seen the entire series of Futurama, with the exception of the the various movies, which I actually didn't know about until fairly recently. Um, I'll have to see if I can track those down on Netflix or something. But, so yeah, so I, I can't comment on how this show stacks up against The Simpsons, but, you know, I'm familiar with Futurama, and, uh, you know, kind of like Travis, I, I would say that if I had to stack this up against, or, you know, Disenchantment against Futurama, I'd say Futurama was the better show. Awesome. So I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts on The Simpsons and Futurama. So I saw The Simpsons. I believe I even saw the first episode, you know, the Christmas special when it dropped back in the 90s. You couldn't escape it. It was huge. It was there weren't a lot of shows at the time that were as culturally gargantuan as the Simpsons. They like don't have a cow man. There was do the Bart man. They had the video games. It was monstrous. This show's impact in the nineties was incredible. And as such, it got a lot of flack. I remember when George Bush's Barbara Bush made comments about the Simpsons. And I remember when Marge Simpson responded to her in a letter and that was a big deal. So it, it was a pretty culturally impactful show. It basically set off for me, like as a kid in high school, it informed a lot of my comedy since I like making jokes. It formed a lot of that. We made a lot of Simpsons references. We referenced the show a lot. I recorded it on VHS. I watched them back. I still have a VHS tape with my, uh, some of the Simpsons episodes that I recorded later on in life when they released it on DVD, I purchased them. I have seasons one through 15, which is when I stopped watching the show on DVD. It was the first set of stuff I bought on DVD. Uh, and they, and the Simpsons on DVD basically blew up the whole TV on DVD thing, right? Which was like a precursor to streaming. And, you know, they like those shows in like made me love commentary tracks. Each one of those has a commentary track with all the original writers. And it's great to listen to like Conan and, you know, you know, who's an original writer on a lot of really classic episodes in Matt Groening talk and then the original showrunners and all this kind of stuff. Um, the show is a legendary show. I, I think that. Um, and I'm going to actually I'll, I'll table that one for when I review uh, Disenchantment. But uh, later on, I moved on to Futurama because who wouldn't? Right. I remember when it sh started and I liked the first episodes and thought Futurama is a great show. I saw more of The Simpsons um, seasons, like all of them up to season 15. Um, Futurama is a little bit more spotty. I've got seasons one through five on DVD. I've got um, Bender's big score, but I kind of didn't watch Futurama as much as the Simpsons. For me, the Simpsons is more essential to who I am as a person and sort of like, uh, nostalgic for me. Futurama is very good. I, I, I guess I would say the Simpsons was, was more impactful for me and I think culture in general, but perhaps, uh, Futurama is a better show. I think there's a really good case for that. But for me, the Simpsons, um, is, uh, is where it's at. I'm a good butcher. This is a pet shop. What's this feeling I don't want to drink away? That's hope. Great, so we're going to do spoilers here on out. Um, so just uh, uh, let everyone know about that. So spoilers. So our thoughts on Disenchantment Season 1. Tim, 
You mentioned that it doesn't quite hit the same heights as Futurama, but it's only one season so far, and Futurama has many. So what are your thoughts on Disenchantment? So it actually kind of took me a couple episodes to really get into it. Um, You know, I thought it had a little bit of a slow start, but uh, by the end there, I was really getting into it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers too much here, but the way they ended season one makes me, you know, pretty excited and interested for season two. Like, I I can't wait for them to come out with that. Um, Some of the stuff I really liked is uh, the new setting is is pretty good. Um, And there's, you know, being set in medieval times with a a fantasy backdrop here, there's a a lot of tropes that they kind of poke fun of and make fun of. And especially like when they're going through the, the... the kingdom of dreamland like in the background you see all the stores and they're all named you know puns of yeah. stuff which is, which is great um, it really reminded me of early futurama like those first yes. few episodes were mm-hmm. jam-packed with easter eggs oh yeah <laughs> yeah um i i wasn't a big fan of the turn of elfo and uh basically becoming kind of infatuated with bean that just it felt a little bit too much like a rehashing of Fry and uh, um, Leela. But um, it's interesting. I didn't get that, but I, I see where you're coming from with that. Yep. Yeah. So I, you know, I just I wasn't a big fan of that. But overall, I, I thought, you know, the character is really interesting. I especially like Lucy. I think he's really funny and probably my favorite part of the show. <laughs> just a, a demon whose sole job is to get her in trouble and is an exceedingly good at it. Um. I don't know if he's needed to get her in trouble. I think she does pretty well on her own. Well, he's definitely the voice, you know, telling her to, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Yeah, you, you wanted to anyways, but just, you know, don't worry about it. Just just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the voice cast and the voice cast is incredible. So many like um, big names in there. And I, I'm a big fan of Maurice LaMarche and uh, um, Tress McNell and anything that they do and they've both were amazing in this in this show um billy west plays several different characters um i'm not familiar with abby jenkinson but she does a really good job as bean um so yeah i you know overall it's it's really fun i i would say futurama is is the better show but that doesn't mean that this one isn't uh isn't good it's got a lot of room where it could improve in later seasons um but um, I, I really hope they, they make more. Travis. Yeah, I'm really glad that we are reviewing this because, you know, I, it was on my radar as soon as I found out about it because, hey, it's a new show from creators of some of my favorite shows before. So, of course, I'm going to watch this. But if we weren't reviewing it, I think I would have stopped after I watched four episodes. And I like, hear that I, a lot I, from people. I do. I was thinking that wow when we review this it's going to be strange because i have basically no opinions like if it was on tv and i was flipping channels i wouldn't turn it off but i wouldn't seek it out this is about as neutral as ever ever been about anything but Mm. after that it really picked up and i loved where it where it ended up I, i i feel like the kind of introducing the backstory for everything and building up the characters it that wasn't a great a few episodes but once you start seeing where the plot is going and that it's really a season long arc instead of the more 
serialized TV that Graining has done before. And they really pulled it off. I think that it ended in a really good place. And, you know, like you have both said, the voice actors are amazing. And I, my wife pointed out, like, I wonder if they've got a rule that DiMaggio and Billy West can't ride the same airplane because if they both die in a plane crash, then his entire animation slate is over because he can't make them anymore. <laughs> but um, awesome. It's like but, in, built yeah. into the contract. You guys can't travel together. <laughs> right. Yeah. They were both amazing. Like really the whole cast was amazing. And I, I thought the animation style that like, was kind of sometimes when they were doing the big overhead shots looked like a mix between 2d and 3d was phenomenal it was beautiful i wanted to take screenshots of it for wallpaper it was amazing but yeah like you said tim like each little sign in the background has always got some sort of a joke on it and i love trying to pick all those out but yeah yeah the the plot where the queen who had been in stone for years she when she comes back at the end there and you find out she's from that city trying to destroy the kingdom uh, wow, I wasn't expecting that, and I thought it was really well done and made sense in the plot that they had set up throughout the season. You just kind of didn't notice it being set out, but when you see it, you see where they were going, and it's really well done. Great. So I tweeted after I saw Disenchantment, the first episode, I tweeted this. Um, first episode of Disenchantment was a lot of fun. Feels like old school Simpsons meets a modern painting. It's such beautiful animation and tastes like a dry 90s comedy show. This show was made for Netflix. So just like you said, Travis, the art direction is like the best Matt Groening stuff I've ever seen. Uh, and one of the most visually impressive shows I've ever seen on Netflix to date um, it's graining style and it looks like it looks like Futurama. It looks like the Simpsons, but it's so much. It's just so beautiful. I wonder if this was in 4k because I wonder if there's a 4k version that I could watch that would just blow my mind out my butt. You know what I mean? Um, because watching this on my big TV, it was incredible. And even on my phone, just the colors popped and it's just fantastic. They've clearly improved how they've done and it's clearly all like like you said half cg half computer and it's great um so it's a really fun premise and i do like the characters like you've said uh like you said the end of the show is interesting i'm not sure where it's gonna go after this um but i'm with it and i and i can't wait to see more episodes so i want to talk because you guys are talking about everything that works about this show i'm going to talk about some of the criticisms and we can sort of talk about why we think they exist because if you look at it it seems like a lot of people pick out what you you have said tim and then what you said travis which is i've heard a lot from people i know that oh the first episode didn't really get me so i stopped so i think in the golden age of tv which we're currently in according to some people which i agree with um people don't like giving things time to brew or grow because you're expecting everything to be at peak when it starts and i think a good example of this is ozark i think a good example of this is um uh, oops stranger things i think it's um you know best of read netflix shows i think it's shows like um true detective and this show is not at its peak when it starts it actually gets going um i can handle slower burn stuff but a lot of people don't and so i think that's kind of where the big criticism of the show lies um what do you think travis um do you think that that's maybe one of the problems yeah and i think if it was a little bit 
clearer that it was going to be a season long arc instead of kind of more one offs at the beginning, yeah. I would have been more forgiving of that. Like I said, I was if we hadn't been reviewing it, I probably wouldn't have kept going with it. But I'm definitely glad I did. And had I known that that's kind of what we were getting into, I would have jumped on it. But yeah, you're right that um, you can't really tell from 10 episodes where the series is going to go and how good it's going to be. I think it was a I think Futurama's first season was better than this first season. But yeah, Disenchantment season one, much better than the first first season of The Simpsons. But they had so much room to grow with the first season of The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were setting the what that show It wasn't even really clear what the show was. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. But it became so much more over seasons three to six. Right. It changes. Homer, you know, instead of being this angry Walter Matthau character, becomes the bumbling, lovable Homer that we all know. In, in the first episodes, he was like an angry, drunk, abusive person. I mean, still a drunk and kind of abusive, but you love him. In the first few seasons, you don't. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what do you think, uh, Tim, about some of the criticisms you've heard about the show? Well, I actually tried to stay away from reviews of Disenchantment until I was done watching it. And uh, I only finished watching it uh, two nights ago, so I didn't have a lot of time to read up on this. Um, so I, I actually don't know how this has been reviewing with other people lately. Um, other than I, I did notice that it, um, I think it was Rotten Tomatoes. It, it was kind of, you know, a, a mediocre score there, although it was still fairly early. So that could change. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe people are being a little overly harsh on this. I, I think it's actually pretty good. It's got a lot of potential. I'm it left me excited for season two. And I think that says a lot about the quality of a show. You know, as long as you're happy with it and you're wanting more, that's that's pretty that's a good place to be. I've got a bad idea. What's bad about it? Oh, never mind. I see. All right, everyone, let's haunt the ghost scale review of disenchantment season one tim how's it rate i'm gonna give it a solid rad it's not quite up into the must watch category you know i i could kind of understand if somebody decides to skip season one for now um you know if season two comes out and it's great i may you know reactively or retroactively tell people to go back and watch season one but um it's just not quite into that must watch category but it is funny. It's entertaining. Um, so I, I, I give it a solid red. Travis. I agree. Yeah, I give it a rad as well. Um, I think I would give it a must watch if the earlier episodes were paced a little better, because really the last few were some of the best TV that I've seen in a while. Honestly, I love the humor. I love the art. The voice acting is incredible. And, um, yeah, if you're watching this and you don't like the first few episodes, don't let that get you down. Keep going with it. Yeah, because I am going to not be original. I'm going with Rad 2. It's a solid show. I clearly liked it a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, watch it unless you you don't want to and you're not going to care to continue it just because I say anyways. But uh, very fun. Very fun. Uh, loved, loved watching. Cannot wait for season two. Um, Matt Groening, more please. 
Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.